seasons are part of life, and just like the weather, your marriage will go through seasons. And the key for you is to learn to make the most of each one of those. I'm John Fuller, and welcome to another episode of the Loving Well podcast with Dr. Greg and Erin Smalley. And uh, either one of you take this, or both of you, in terms of seasons, we're in the middle of winter right now. Is that your favorite season here in Colorado, Greg? <laughs> the the winter cold and snow is not... <laughs> But Christmas season is my very favorite. Okay. You know, I have to, I start begging in October, like literally before <laughs> Halloween happens, if we can put the tree up. And I, I just, I, there's something about it for me, having the big lighted tree, seeing all the lights around the neighborhood, listening to the music. I'll be driving my poor daughter to school listening to Christmas music and she's like can we play something else I'm like but it's the Christmas season <laughs> fine and I'm sure I wear my family out of with the music yeah, and Aaron is and nodding aggressively I yeah. see because that. it's the same station with the same songs but it just makes me so happy, happy. <laughs> yes okay Aaron, I, you're I love it around. It. well I was, I'm surprised because I thought you would answer this like I did. I said my favorite season is summer in Colorado because it's so beautiful. It's just perfect weather, blue skies, not too hot, not too cold. It's just perfect. Usually no bugs, just so nice. Mm. Or my other favorite season is March in Arizona because <laughs> okay. March in Colorado is not quite that's, the same as March in Arizona spring. Yeah, that's spring one of our in biggest Arizona, snow months here. Yes. I'm I'm constantly just baffled why March in Colorado isn't beautiful. Why can't we plant flowers and get ready for spring? <laughs> I tried that once yeah. and they all died yeah. and I lost a lot all of money. Right. So, so March March in Arizona. Yes. Got it. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about seasons in a little different way um, as we hear from Deborah Faleta. She's a professional counselor and has written a really wonderful book called Love in Every Season. And we've got details uh, about it in the show notes. We'll be focusing today on two of the seasons, spring and summer. And here now is Jim Daly speaking with Deborah Faleta about how she and her husband, John, met. You know, John and I met at a conference up in Boston. And um, we developed a friendship very quickly. And for me, it was a while until I knew that he was the person I wanted to marry. Ah, so you had to simmer a little bit there. I had to let it simmer. I had to watch the seasons go by. For him, though, he had a feeling right away when he met me that I want to marry this girl. But what he says is he also had to let the seasons go by because seasons in a relationship reveal a lot. Mm. You know, it's not just about what you feel. It's about what you see as time passes. Well, obviously that concept was beginning to bubble in you. Uh, You didn't write the book right after being married, but go ahead and define for us what the seasons of marriage are. I, I love the fact that God is so plainly seen. If we just stop and look, seasons of life, how he is like our father, right? He is our father. And unfortunately, he's the father of a lot of teenagers, meaning us, people that rebel. But the point of it is, is that nature itself and God's nature specifically does show us the very nature and character of God, right? Right, exactly. And just as in nature, we see four different seasons. We pass through four seasons, especially for those of us who live in places like Pennsylvania, we see 
every season and it looks so different you see the beautiful colors of spring Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful season and then you move into this season of summer when things start to get hot right and you start shedding your layers because it's warm and you're going to the beach and enjoying the heat of summer and you go into the colors of fall and the 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 true colors of the trees start to shine through and then all the way into the season of winter when things start to kind of cool off and When you think about it, it is the perfect backdrop to relationships. As a licensed counselor, you know, in my practice, the analogy of the seasons was just so clear in the relationships that I worked with of people go from spring to summer to fall and winter, all in one relationship, and then they repeat, you know? But but in there, too, and that's the question I wanted to ask, is those seasons, uh, you know, they A, they're not always chronological, they're and not. B, they don't match, obviously, the tilt of the earth uh, in marriage. Right. But the point is they just describe how marriage flows. Right. But some seasons can be years in length and maybe months and maybe even a week or a day, I would assume. Yeah, they don't, all, they don't happen at the same time. They don't look the same for each couple. But the beauty is that each season has the power to reveal something about your relationship, about you. Each season has the power to help you make or break your relationship depending on how you choose to navigate that season. And that's why they're so important for us to recognize. If we're not aware of them, we can't take advantage of them. Now, here's an odd question, but uh, can you be in two seasons at once? I believe so. I think anything can happen. You know, there's no rules. What does that look like in your practice with helping couples? Uh, What does a couple that's in two seasons at the same time look like? Well, ultimately, it's focusing on the most important thing for them to navigate, you know. So let's say they're in the season of fall, but they also feel the emotions of spring, which we'll get to, you know, those heightened feelings. They love each other, but maybe they go through these explosive fights. You know, the season of fall is kind of the season of conflict. And so learning how to hold on to that affection, but then navigate conflict in a healthy way. Another aspect, and this is all groundwork, and we will get to the definition of the seasons and start to talk about them practically in marriage, but regardless of what season of marriage we're in, it's critical for us to identify unhealthy patterns of our own behavior. And in fact, you outlined three personality types of people who uh, give too much. What are they? Hmm. Well, before we get into that, I think it's important to back up and explain that in the season of spring, one of the defining moments is the growth. Spring is a season of growth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the time in your relationship when things begin to grow and stretch and expand. But you can't have growth without give and take, give and take, right? And that's where some people get stuck. And these personalities really make you get stuck if you're not careful because we've got people on one side who give too much. And then we've got people on the other side who give too little. And if you've got one of those people in your relationship or maybe both, it's going to inhibit how you grow. When you look at humanity, though, I would think that that is the issue. I mean, the Lord is even instructing us to love our neighbor as ourselves. I think that kind of fits in that space of a person who, because of how they grew up or the, you know, the things that they learned. They either are givers or takers, another way to say that, emotionally. Right. Uh, So describe, go ahead and describe those types again so we fully understand that. Yeah. You know, on one side of the spectrum, you have someone who gives too much. And 
I think before we can just simply say, well, stop giving too much, you know, that's, it's easy to say that, well, just stop giving too much, but you have to get to the root of why a person gives too much in order to help them stop giving too much. What about, what about the person, the Christian who says, well, it's godly to be on that side of the equation. Mm -hmm. I give even when it hurts to give. Right. I think some people uh, misunderstand and they view, um, selflessness as passivity. They kind of mistake the two. They're being passive, but they actually think they're being selfless. And you brought up the scripture just now that says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think Jesus could have said, love your neighbor more than you love yourself. Love your neighbor, but don't love yourself. But the command is clear. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's an equality there. To me, that represents an important give and take. Such great wisdom from Deborah Faleta about the seasons that marriages go through. And Aaron, um, it's probably very good for us to love ourselves like Deborah talked about so that we can have the energy to love our spouse, right? Absolutely. Greg and I talk a lot about this because so often what we see within a marriage is two worn out individuals Mm. who are trying to make a healthy marriage, you know, be produced from two empty, exhausted people. And so absolutely, we need to focus on making sure that we are also attending to ourselves so we can turn right around and pour that out to others. But it's just really knowing, like, how do we refill? How do we how do we care for ourselves? How do we love ourselves? Not in like some narcissistic, self-focused way, but not not selfish or anything inappropriate. We actually do this so we have more to give. Hmm. And, you know, we often will talk about two simple ways that we encourage people to do this, and we live this out as well, is looking at what brings us rest and what brings us life. Rest is just when we cease movement intentionally so we can recharge or recuperate just a bit. And it's, you know, often we're doing these things already, but it's when we're doing it now, it's going, I'm doing this so I have more to give. And so I'm going to sit here and drink this cup of coffee and read something that is entertaining to me. And then I'm going to go and do what I need to do. Or I'm going to sit here and, you know, do a day on my Bible study and just take that in and pray and then go on and do what I need to do. So that's rest. Life, on the other hand, is things that we do that set our soul on fire. What are things that just fill you to the measure and give you more to pour out? Mm. You know, for example, you know, having um, female friends over Monday night, I had um, Bible study at my house and I got to serve my friends, serve them dinner and, you know, just take care of them. That gives me so much life, just being around other women, specifically friends and, you know, just being hospitable. Mm -hmm. That does it for me, gives me life. Yeah. And I think that's so important to figure out the whole idea of what gives me rest, what brings me life. Because if I'm not doing that and I'm empty and have nothing to give, Aaron, as you were saying, that you, then I'm going to give you guys leftovers. You know, you're going to get my second best. Versus, I love that concept in the Old Testament about first fruits. You know, when the Israelites, you know, when, when, when they were able to plant and harvest finally, they always gave God the very first. And what that meant is that these were promises to come. So what they were saying to God is that here's our first, 
But man, there's going to be so much more to come. And, and what I like is when, when I'm being well cared for as an individual, then usually Aaron, my kids, they're going to get my first fruit. Hmm. They're going to get even that promise that, hey, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Boy, there's there's more to come. But that won't happen if I'm exhausted and worn out yeah, and right. empty. And I appreciated the questions you asked, Aaron. I wrote them down. What brings me rest and what brings me life? And uh, with that, we're going to continue the conversation as we discuss the spring season when a relationship is really just beginning. Here now, more from Jim Daly as he speaks with Deborah Faleda. Deborah, let's dive into spring as the first of the season descriptions. You identify it as the season of attraction. I think that's, you know, when everybody is coupling up, whether it's the birds or the, yeah. the people. Uh, you've got a great story about when you and John, I think you were holding hands for the first time. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, spring is the season when affection is high. Emotions are, you know, really intense. That's kind of how you define that season, usually in the beginning of a relationship. And so with John and I, when we met, I remember the first time we held hands felt like electric. You know, we were fr- we were in the friend stage. We were watching a movie, and I think our pinkies kind of touched on the uh, on the chair, and we held hands for the first time. And you just get these overwhelming feelings. Not that I don't feel that overwhelming electricity fourteen years into marriage, but it's different. You know, <laughs> the it, it's part of your norm now. And so that's the importance of the season of spring. It's the season of blossoming and blooming of affection and emotion. And it's the season of growth. It's the season of planting good seeds Mm. and uprooting weeds, the things that we don't want to see in our relationship. So in nature and in relationships, the season of spring is really important. Yeah, that's a great description. You've identified something called the four laws of attraction. Explain what those are. Attraction is multifaceted. I think when we think of the word attraction, we automatically assume it's physical attraction. How attracted am I to someone? But, you know, attraction is four layers. It's not just one thing. There's physical attraction, but there's also personal attraction. How do our personalities mesh? There's mental and emotional attraction. You know, when you can you talk about your feelings and ideas and opinions and have those conversations? And then there's spiritual attraction, or you're drawn to somebody because of the relationship with Jesus. And it was interesting when I did, when I wrote this book, I, I surveyed singles to see what they thought was most important in with regard to attraction. And overwhelmingly, a majority of them said it was spiritual attraction. But when you look at how we do relationships, that's not always where we begin. We say spiritual attraction is the most important, but oftentimes we get caught up on the physical attraction component. But we in marriage know that Physical attraction is one of the only things that wanes as time passes because we get older, we have wrinkles, things start to sag, (laughs) but everything else increases when you've got strong spiritual attraction and Mm. mental, emotional attraction, personal attraction. So really that's what we've got to be fueling in our marriage relationships. And I think in human relationships, I think it's fair to say that that physical attraction is kind of the gateway to the relationship. Usually two people are seeing each other and you're having thoughts of, wow, she's really pretty or he's really handsome or whatever it might be. But it usually is in that category. And it's a short, like you say, short-lived thing because then you're moving to emotional connection, attractiveness that way, spiritual 
attractiveness. But sometimes we discount, I think in the Christian community particularly, we discount the purpose of physical attraction. And the world does it the other way. It lingers there. It stays on physical attraction and tries to build a relationship simply on physical attraction. And that's that's a very flimsy part of the relationship laws, correct? Yeah. You know, it is important to be physically attracted to somebody, but at the same time, we've got to keep it into proper perspective. I know plenty of people who are physically attracted to somebody and then they get to know them and the physical attraction disappears, Mm -hmm. you know, because the personality is just overwhelming. But then the opposite happens when sometimes maybe you don't feel totally attracted to somebody, but then you see all of the other qualities and characteristics Mm -hmm. and the the physical attraction also increases. That's why it's important for us to understand that attraction is multifaceted. It is not just one thing. The definition of attraction is the desire to move towards somebody, kind of like a magnet. You're attracted to them. And when you have these components, it really keeps your relationship strong. Mm. And and Deborah, I'm assuming that like the seasons you describe in the book, um, these attraction elements can be stronger at some times and weaker at others? I mean, is, is it possible to kind of flow in and out of that attraction cycle, if you will? Yeah, I think it's not only possible, it's the norm. Hmm. And, and it kind of just reminds us that keeping our marriage strong requires intentionality and work and even just taking an inventory of these different areas, how we're doing, what we need to work on, you know, and, and just constantly remembering that we have to input into our marriage for it to stay strong. I really appreciate uh, the way that Deborah described those types of attraction and uh, why that matters. And Greg, I wonder if you'd speak from the vantage point of your more than 30 years of marriage experience, in addition to your uh, great educational background. Deborah uh, addressed being attracted to someone's character and his or her walk with Jesus. Now, I can identify with what she said there. How about you? How have you found those to be important? Yeah, I love in Proverbs thirty-one thirty. it says that beauty is fleeting. You know, that's the reality. I mean, I look at Aaron and, you know, I, my eyes have 30 years of, of looking at her. Like, I see it all. I see that this is the mother of my children. This is my best friend. I mean, she's more beautiful now than, than ever before. But I mean, we're aging in in beauty in the sort of worldly sense is fleeting versus, I mean, it, it's all those character qualities that I so admire about Aaron. It's that, that she's extroverted and just loves on people so beautifully. You know, she's a mama bear. She just, you know, mess with our kids and you're in trouble. You know, mess with me, actually. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, I, I love that about her. She's got one of the best work ethics that I've ever seen. Aaron, you're just such a hard worker, and I so appreciate that. I mean, I could go on and on. That, in combination with her outward appearance, even though it changes over the years, that, that to me, that's, that's, it's all that beauty. I think then add on her relationship with the Lord, how she lives out her faith. Mm-hmm. I love to watch Aaron during worship. And just just the way that you've got your eyes closed, you're just so focused, so so drawn in to to that moment of singing. You've got your 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 arms raised. That's there's a beauty there. See our our relationship with the Lord. See that's what's eternal. 
you know, looks especially, but, but and even some character qualities, those are temporal. In, in some days, we spend our eternal life with God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's that, that's all possible because of that relationship that we have with him, that we've put our faith and trust in him. He's given us this amazing gift of, of eternal life. Well, as we live that out here on earth, and I get to watch Aaron do that, whether that's through a Bible study or I love that she'll, you know, we'll go on walks and she'll say, hey, what's, what's one thing God's been teaching you? lately mm-hmm. you know just any of that there, there's such a beauty in that 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 all that combined my goodness that's why she's more beautiful today than the day that we stood the, at the altar mm-hmm. 30 years ago yeah and i have to agree with you in terms of the delight that i get from dina's walk with god i mean just speaking personally one of the best moments of the day is if she's gotten up already and i find her in the recliner with her bible and yeah. some resources around her in her coffee, and she's pursuing God. That has there. not yeah. changed in 38 years yeah. now, and I'm so grateful for that heart. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and continue now the conversation Jim Daly and I had with Deborah Faleta as she addresses the season of summer. Moving to summer, you give the example of how building emotional connection as a couple is like a spider web. This mm-hmm. was really interesting to me, and you talked about the strength of the spider web. Why is that a good analogy for us? Well, spider webs are something we see often in summer, and summer is the season when things get hot, right? Summer is that season of developing intimacy in a relationship and really having to work at that intimacy. And one of the key components is emotional intimacy. When you look at a spider's web, there's so many tiny little strings connecting it together. And that's kind of how I view emotional intimacy in marriage. It's not just one thing. It's a bunch of tiny little strings. A spider's web looks so fragile, but really it is strong. It is stronger than the material used for a bulletproof vest. That's amazing. That just goes to show you that little thread. And that's kind of how I see emotional connection in marriage. It's a bunch of tiny little strings from physical connection to emotional connection to spiritual connection, things that you're working on to continue connecting those strings to your spouse. In fact, you tried to make an emotional connection with your husband, John. I thought this was extraordinary. I was giving you applause when I read this in the book. Describe what happened. Well, when John and I were dating, he was doing some really uh, intellectual research at Harvard Medical School. And to be frank, it was boring. (laughs) But because I was so in love with him, I decided I'm going to read up on what he's doing. I want to learn. I want this to be another string of emotional connection that ties us together. So I read up on his research and I remember talking to him about it one day and he was shocked. He's like, you've really read my research. This is amazing. You know, (laughs) but here's the thing that wasn't dating. And somewhere along the way, we stopped doing that. Mm. And that's where we have to be intentional about building those strings. Just the other day, John's getting really into chess these days. He's like really trying to train to to get better at his chess game. And it's not something I'm very interested in. But the other day I asked him to kind of teach me how to play and help me get a little bit better because I want to build the emotional strings in our relationship. And he does the same. There's things that he's absolutely not interested in by default, but he chooses to become interested in those things because he wants to build another string Mm that ties us together. 
Uh, and you know what, John? Here's a heads up with my boys. You teach them chess, and then eventually they start beating you. Yeah, they will. <laughs> so it's a very humbling experience. And that is my plan. <laughs> I will eventually get good enough. That may be even tougher when your spouse is beating you. Oh, no. But uh, it's fun. It's good to see. You You have a story about glass blowing. Again, another great illustration in this category. But uh, you and John went to this glass blowing class. I, I don't know if I would have the patience for that, but tell us what happened. You know, when we talk about building connection with your spouse, a big part of it is that spiritual connection. And this is where it came in. John and I went to a glass blowing class, um, <laughs> something that he has always enjoyed and wanted to try. And it was amazing when they put the fire on the glass, it turns to putty. It's 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. It just turns to putty and you can shape it however you want. And it just reminded me in marriage, you know, when the Lord sometimes puts us in a, in a hard place or a place of fire, it's because he's shaping us and molding us and helping us to kind of fit our marriage, to, to become better so that our relationship becomes better. That is so good. I, I don't know. Would you want to do that? Well, I've glass seen blowing? some glass blowing demonstrations, <laughs> and it is phenomenal. I'm not sure that I'd want to be in the heat like that to hot. become putty. I would be afraid of breathing in <laughs> when you shouldn't. And, ah, but it's lungs. a good reminder that when we're in a hot season, the season of summer, that intimacy sometimes can get a little hot. It's just to remember that the Lord is working and helping us to become better spouses, better people and better spouses. What a great picture of how God shapes us during a summer season. Uh, I so appreciate Deborah Faleta and Greg. Aaron, um, you recently had a pretty big change in seasons for your marriage. Uh, your daughter Murphy got married, and um, certainly that's one of those things that does affect your own marriage in, in some way. What are some of the learnings from that season? I think what I've learned over the years is that we, you know, as a culture, we don't say goodbye very well. Mm-hmm. We don't do a good job of ending one season to begin another in in a clear, intentional way. So as our uh, middle daughter, Murphy, got married this summer, I, I, I told Murphy, I want to take you on one last trip. So right before, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before, this is going on overnight because I, I, I so wanted to to end this one season of her, you know, being you know, our, not just our daughter, but, you know, living at home for this last season, I mean, all those things, as, then to send her off into her new marriage. So she and I went into the mountains, and and we went on a hike, and, and so we went to this beautiful spot, lake, you know, beautiful mountains here in Colorado. And so I just, you know, I, I brought two chairs, so we were able to just, just to sit there. But what I wanted to be intentional was to look back on our relationship together and we, we spent about an hour just bawling as we talked and shared just some of our favorite memories and trips that we had been on and just date nights that we had had together. And, and it was so powerful just to review what what has been to then talk about now what life will be like. And it gave me an opportunity then to, to read her a very specific blessing. Mm-hmm that I had written for her, letting her know just who I see and the wife that I see that she's going to be and just just anything that I could think of just to to prepare her well and to begin this new chapter of her life and ours as well. 
I just wanted to do that in such a powerful way with with intentionality. How did she receive all of that? It, it was it was so powerful. I mean, we did a lot of crying, but just the conversations, the meals that we had together, just the fact that it was she and I, it it memorialized this just this the mm-hmm. season yeah. coming to an end and we were able to celebrate that and then just look forward to you know what would be next and i was able to ask her you know what is your dad you know what what are some things that i could do to to help you i mean i know that our relationship will change you're always obviously going to be my daughter but how could i show up best and and there was just some really good practical things yeah. that she said that actually I, I wouldn't even have thought of some of them but it just it it made such a difference for for me for for her in our relationship and i i felt that there was just a really strong sense of closure for what had been in an excitement for what yeah. was coming good mm-hmm. and you were smart for doing that before the wedding because i wrote a speech oh, yeah. to give at her rehearsal <laughs> dinner and it was basically going through all the different seasons of our journey with her Oh, my word. (laughs) Let's just say I wept out of control in front of, you know, 40 of their best friends. (laughs) And but it was so sweet. And then it was it was interesting because, you know, we launched her and they were married and they headed off and they spent the summer hiking 14ers around Colorado And then they had a a couple month season where they needed somewhere to stay before they found jobs and then they moved to Chicago, but they were in our house for like six weeks. And we knew that wasn't the best for them. They needed somewhere to stay. It was practical. And then we had to say goodbye again. And there were more tears, mm. <laughs> even talking about yeah. it. <laughs> well, that goes We're back to now. Now. that kind of goes <laughs> back to Greg's point that goodbyes are hard. We don't do it well, and and that that's the purpose for some of these, um, you know, observations, these these moments of celebration. And I will say, we've moved quite a few times over the thirty years of our marriage, and it was probably, gosh, after about two moves, I realized that typically we do not do real well saying goodbye Hmm. to the season that we have been in. And so I decided I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to say goodbye. Well, and which meant for me, because I am a tender hearted person, um, a lot of hardened (laughs) person. Yeah. Yeah, You (laughs) You just drive away. Like (laughs) for me, I would go to each person that has had meant something to Mm. me. Yeah. (sighs) Well, it's important to be able to speak about these transitions in life, these seasons, and as a married couple, as you've expressed, the two of you, to to get closer to each other as these changes occur. And certainly, uh, we would recommend the book by Deborah Faleta called Love in Every Season, which uh, covers all four of the seasons and how they overlap. Now, we didn't get to fall and winter, but of course, they're in the book, so we'll encourage you to stop by the show notes and get a copy of it. We would suggest the book by Aaron and Greg Smalley called Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets for a Lifelong Romance. Uh, It is full of great insights and advice. We're making that available today. If you make a generous donation to the ministry of Focus on the Family, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift of any amount, uh, we'll send that to you. It's a terrific follow-up to today's conversation, and uh, the link is in the show notes. 
Next time, we'll address healthy habits that you can develop as a couple. And for now, on behalf of the Smallies and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Loving Well Podcast. I'll always be.